Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. All right, everyone. Today we are talking about creating resiliency. And we're going to add a little bit of a generational uh, shift to this. So I've got Josh and Kata with me. He is, he wins the award for the youngest podcast guest. Congratulations. I know you didn't know that you were winning that. There's not an actual award, but, but thank you for being here. He's 18. He is a graduate of Mount Wisconsin High School. He is a poet. He's an activist. He's a future college student at the University of Chicago. And he has been someone who I have watched from afar from a while, for a while now in just the words that he uses, how he speaks, how he influences in such a positive way. And so I had to have him on here and I wanted him to come here to talk about resiliency, to talk about leadership and how his generation really looks at that. So Josh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I would love you to start with just sharing a little bit about yourself, your journey, kind of who you are, so that people kind of get to know the, the Josh before we dive into the topic. Awesome. Hi, uh, yeah, my name is Josh, Josh Nkata. Um, I would uh, consider myself to be someone who, whose primary um, objective is using words effectively, I guess. Um, and my journey is, um, I suppose, the journey of many um, kids as they learn to find their voice. Um, I think I was exceptionally lucky to be able to find my voice earlier um, than a lot of other people. Um, I grew up in Mound for most of my life. Before that, I grew up in Austin, Minnesota, uh, Spam Town, USA, <laughs> I suppose. Um, uh, uh, went to school at Mount Osaka High School. Um, and a combination of there along with um, other places, other programs. I was a, a Telluride scholar for um, in my junior year. Uh, I sort of realized and identified the power that words can have on people and how that can influence. Um, and so uh, obviously I was doing that in school. Anytime I had the opportunity to speak um, at a talent show or um, a poetry slam, um, I'd try and take that opportunity. Um, and then I in recent years, I've begun to expand into social media, and I've found that that is a very good way to do um, activism, sort of, in the sense that um, I run uh, Instagram, um, I do some TikTok stuff, uh, and the social media platform I found is where I've really been able to expand and really share messages that my hope is help people, um, and that's me. So I guess right now I'd I'm a big writer. I write prose, poetry, pretty much everything. I do some music, um, but yeah, that's who I am. What's the future hold for you? What do you want to work in? What do you want to get a degree in? Um, as I said, I'm heading to the University of Chicago. I'm studying uh, creative writing. Um, I'm also uh, thinking about doubling that major and doing cinema and film studies as well with the uh, intention to screenwrite for film and TV. Very exciting. We will be seeing his name for many years to come, I have a feeling. So you're on the Superpower Success podcast. So this podcast is really about maximizing the superpowers that we all innately have, because mine are different than yours, yours are different than mine. What do you think is a superpower that you have, Josh, that really has helped you get to this point? I'd say a superpower that I have um, is just the ability to connect to people on a emotional level 
that I think a lot of people often miss. I think we as humans are able to connect people on that surface level. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like where I come from in my poetry often is that if I am not able to make that emotional connection with you, if I'm not able to go that level deeper, my poetry will fall short and it won't work on people. Um, so sort of a superpower both innately and a superpower mm -hmm. that I've had to develop and work on is the ability to break that surface level um, and to meet people at those basic, at those basic um, innate human levels. Um, and I think that's why that is such a big superpower is uh, it helps people not to feel underestimated. If you're meeting people in a place, especially with poetry, a topic that a lot of people consider themselves not like big into, if you're able to meet them in a place where they feel that they are comfortable, where they feel they're inwardly comfortable, you're able to make those poetic connections and you're able to change minds, influence people um, and really help people, I think. And build trust. So I'm smiling the whole time Josh is talking because I'm doing a leadership training this afternoon after we record this for a group of corporate leaders that I'm trying to teach them this. And I think to have you have this, and, and this is why I want to talk about this from a generational thing is because when we talk about leadership, it, it has nothing to do with hierarchy, right? I manage people. That's management. When we're talking about leadership, it's how do you lead and influence and motivate people through the spoken word, through, you know, being a great leader in a corporate environment, but it's, it's trust and it's emotional intelligence, which is what you're talking about. And many of the leaders that are listening to this, right, are in corporate roles and, and they're, they're in that workforce space. And I think sometimes we lose those things that we knew earlier in life. And, and so your generation, and the reason I wanted to have this generational conversation is, is I want to get your perspective on that and how you can teach us and help us remember some of these things we probably knew at one point, or we probably harnessed with more emotion and more passion that we've lost. So when you think about resiliency, and, and I got to see you speak at graduation as well, and, and many of the speeches at graduation were amazing about resiliency in your generation. You've had quite the last year and a half as seniors graduating right now. How do you look at resiliency? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to your peers that are graduating right now? I think it's definitely taken on a new meaning over uh, the past couple of years, not only with the pandemic, but also with all this immense social change in our society. Um, and just the point that our society is at in the sense of turning, um, I think resiliency has definitely taken on a new meaning. And I think that new meaning has become um, more about resiliency, I think, nowadays, especially for my generation, is being able to make yourself care through all of it. I think when there's so much coming at you, when you have a senior year in which everything feels like it's going wrong, it's super easy to give up. It's super easy to give mm -hmm. into this idea that it's not worth it. Um, I think what, what being resilient means over what is meant for me over the past year and what it means a lot of the time for my generation is being able to make yourself have a passion for something. Um, mm -hmm even if that thing is being canceled, postponed, um, right. et cetera, being able to care, I think is the new definition of resiliency for this past year. That's brilliant. And how do you think it's personally impacted your growth? I think for me, uh, I think the, 
idea or the concept of something like a global pandemic would be that it might stunt growth. But I think the opposite is, is true. I think it's given me a better understanding of people as a whole and what people do sort of when they're between that rock and a hard place. Um, and how there's definitely a sense in the pandemic that everybody became sort of emotionally vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. And my learning experience, my growth experience over the past year has been understanding how to uh, deal with that emotional vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think how I've learned to do that is really you have to reciprocate in a sense. Um, when you have someone you know is, when you're having a conversation or having a discussion with someone you know is in an emotionally vulnerable place, I think it helps a lot of the times to sort of let back a guard and show your own emotional vulnerability. Um, and I think that's why I find poetry such an effective medium, because that's really what it is about. Um, uh, in a lot of my poems, and including my graduation speech poem, I talk about how that mutual fear, this idea that we're both scared right now, and even though we don't communicate that ever, we don't talk about that ever, the idea that we both know that we're terrified of this global situation, of what's happening in our streets, mm -hmm. of what's happening on the planet as a whole, if we can communicate that, even if it's not verbally, and we can show that to each other, we become more human to each other. Um, and the more human your interaction is, I think the more powerful it is. I, this is brilliant. So you're, you're going to do big things. And, and I, so your generation is going to do big things. And that's what I really mean is that human element. And, and that's the thing we've been talking to leaders about for, for the last year and a half is how do we take the things that have happened? and make good with them, right? Because there's bad things that happen. There's always going to be bad things that happen in our world. It's how we take them. We shift our perspective and we learn from them. So I want you to define leadership. What does leadership mean to you, to your generation? What's that word mean? I think that leadership is ultimately about being able to influence people, I would say, um, whether that's for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. A good leader ultimately uh, has a bunch of different qualities, but I think the primary quality is the ability to influence. Um, and that's uh, in like a team, in a sport, um, mm -hmm. in a band, in, in a theater, um, or up on a stage. If you can influence people to, um, to do things or to uh, act a certain way, ultimately you can lead them. Uh, and I think that definitely doesn't come with a hierarchical stru structure then. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can have not only equal, but sometimes more powerful influence um, when you know you're coming from a place that's lower than somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what my generation and just kids as a whole are able to better understand than adults are sometimes. Um, I think adults sometimes grasp onto this idea that they need that power structure to validate their leadership. Um, but for the first 18 years, you don't have power over anybody. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has power over you. You constantly have to be coming from that place of, uh, hey, I'm here. Can I still have influence if mm -hmm. I don't have true power over anybody? And I found the answer in my life is absolutely yes. Um, and not only does that's not only the case for uh, kids versus adults, but that also happens when you talk about 
ethnic groups or minority groups, when you feel that you are being pushed down, um, that does not mean you cannot be a leader. Um, that in fact means that you have a certain leadership ability to lead and this leadership style that you can access more than somebody who might be higher up in a structure. And that goes back to the connections thing I was talking about. If people think that you are even to the, even to them or either below them, uh, they are more likely to be willing to make those intimate connections with you than if you put yourself above people. Right. Yeah. Hierarchy, the hierarchical power actually diminishes performance in organizations. Influential power, which is what you're talking about, is what increases performance. And I think it's important for everyone to take back their power. I think if nothing else, that's what we've learned is that we all have influence. We all have leadership within us. It's how we choose to use it. Right? And do we step into it and have confidence that we can influence sideways, down, up in an organization, right? Or in a community, whatever that looks like. And, and so I think it's really powerful statement for you to make because people need to remember that no one can take your power and your confidence away from you, right? That's something that's innately yours and you get to choose how you use it, which is why I'm so impressed with you is because you've used your influence for good, right? For positive. And, and I think that's what we can all learn from you. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that, that people have about your generation as, as you guys enter college and in the workforce? Um, I think the, the biggest misconception um, that I hear a lot is that our generation is inherently lazy in a way that other generations um, have been before. Um, and I, I often caution people against that idea because it is not laziness, it's um, a sense of being so overwhelmed that you don't know what to do. Um, when you grow up with the, the constant idea that the, the world's dying around you um, and that you could outlive the world, um, I think hmm. it's an overwhelming thing. Um, especially in this era of, of, of media, of, of news, we know about every, every tragedy. Um, we're, I was born after 9-11, and since I can remember, every news story includes some tragedy of some kind. Um, and it's ultimately become a saturation of our own sadness. It's become completely desensitizing oftentimes, and that leads to what looks like laziness sometimes, but ultimately it's the inability to know how to care about so much. Um, when there's so much going on, um, it's so overwhelming. And I think uh, what adults can understand is when you have so much going on, sometimes you just freeze um, and you don't do anything. And so I think what's interpreted as lazy laziness in my generation is actually that freeze. Um, it's that so much is going on. I don't know how to do any of it, so I won't do any of it. And what I consider part of my job is to try and break that desensitization, try to break that saturation of sadness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I try to do a lot of the times in my poetry and my art and my music. Um, I'll try to meet people on this level of, I know there's so much going on right now, but in this moment, let's care about this thing. Uh, let's put our attention 
into what we can do about this thing. And that's really what activism looks like, I think, in this generation. Activism just isn't this big march on Washington sort of thing anymore. It really is, let's make these intimate moments where we feel that we can care about something and it won't be devastating to us. And what you're really talking about are basic human needs, certainty, significance, right? We all have these things. And I think it's so profound. And I've never thought about it the way that you described it is, is that overwhelmingness because mentally our, our brains can only, our emotion, they can only take so much, right? Before shutdown starts to happen and, and you have lived. And I think what's happening now is there are a lot of adults who are catching up to the mental overwhelm that you guys have always lived in. So you actually have probably stronger muscles in this area than most adults do. And we're feeling the exact same thing. And I say we, myself included, right? That the burnout you're seeing in, in corporate leaders right now, um, just the burnout in, in family dynamics. And it, it's just, it's overwhelm for everyone. And that idea of picking something and focusing on something that you care about, that you have some control over versus everything else that you don't have control over. Because that we can spend our entire lives worrying about everything that we don't have control over. It's, it's brilliant. How, if, if someone is listening, so there's a bunch of corporate leaders sitting on the other end of this microphone, right? You've never worked in a corporate environment, understand that. But if, if they're going, wow, there's a lot I can learn from an 18-year-old that's got a different perspective, right? What, would you, what advice would you give them? Um, I'd say my advice is, uh, embrace the humanity in everything. Um, and obviously that's coming from a poet. Mm -hmm. So take it. I love it. It's beautiful. That's, that's what poetry is about. <laughs> it's embracing the humanity in every little metaphor and every little simile. I'm in every little personification of a blade of grass. Um, but if we, I think everything in a sense is a microcosm of a bigger thing uh, in the sense that like the way that you feel conflicted emotionally as a person is a microcosm for society. Um, and I think that holds true in, uh, in a business as well, in a corporate setting, uh, that ultimately your business is, uh, the people of your business are microcosms, what's happening in their head, the internal conflictions they feel um, is represented as your business as a whole. So when you meet people at their humanity, um, when you make an emotional connection with people, I think what you'll see is expanded across your business, that that uh, human connection uh, really does reverberate through larger settings. Um, and if it can reverberate through uh, society. Um, I think that's what we've seen over the past couple of years. We've seen a reverberation of um, these different cultural movements throughout society. Um, that same idea can reverberate throughout a corporation or a business. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about resiliency really being rooted in psychological safety. And that's a big word, right? But it, it's a term that's being used right now, but it's what you're saying it, for leaders is the emotional connection to people makes them feel safe to make mistakes, to learn, 
to grow, right? To feel supported. And, and that's what we as humans can provide each other right now. When there's a lot we can't control, we can control how we interact and how we choose our language, which is what you do really, really well in, in how we choose to have that language impact other people. And that creates psychological safety where deeper conversations can happen, right? Activism doesn't just come from speaking. Activism comes from influencing and from having words that make someone stop and think, that make someone stop and ask and get curious and ask a different question. And I think that reframe of activism and, and what you're doing, that it doesn't need to be emotionally charged in a negative way or in a polarizing way, that activism can just bring people together to have a conversation. Yeah. And I know that's how you feel. And, and I, I'm, again, really grateful for you being on here and for the work that you do, because just so you know, you're not just impacting your generation. There's a bunch of adults that are listening to and are learning from what you're bringing to the table. So for people who want to learn more about Josh and Kata, who want to listen, where are the best places for them to get your content, your music, so that they can kind of hear more of what you have to say? Um, yes, uh, the best places um, to sort of find my content. Um, if you're not a big social media person, you might have to step out of your comfort zone. <laughs> um, but you can find me on TikTok at, at the Kata Music, the uh, K-A-T-A Music. Um, same place over on Instagram. Um, uh, those are probably the two best places to reach me. Uh, on TikTok, you'll find more uh, shorter form uh, content. Um, uh, videos are under a minute, uh, yada, yada. And Instagram is more of the longer form content and activism I do. Um, but those are probably the two best places. Perfect. We will put links to both of those. And for anyone listening that is wondering what TikTok is, just ask your kids. Um, <laughs> they, will know. <laughs> they will know for sure what it is if you haven't already seen it. Thank you for being here and for having been willing to have this conversation. Absolutely. There's nothing more important, I think, in this world than being willing to have conversations. Beautiful. And to everybody listening, you know, to the listeners, I just appreciate you continuing to engage in this podcast. Our goal is to shift your perspective just a tiny bit. We're not looking for transformation. We're looking for small shifts that widen the aperture of our lens, that help us be better leaders in our communities and our families and our businesses. And so hopefully you've learned something from Josh's words and his messages today. Um, make sure and subscribe, you know, keep tabs on the podcast and, and know that when Josh is famous in film and cinema, that this is where he started. This is his first podcast. So I'm grateful for him being here and I'm grateful for all of you for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up.